The following audio is from The Grove Church. For more information about the church or to listen to previous sermons, visit our website at grove.church. Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Easter. Today is definitely a day to celebrate, and uh, we're going to do that. Today we're in Matthew 28. If you've got a Bible with you, you can turn there. But um, anybody out there uh, a big fan of the Rocky movies? enjoy the Rocky movies? I know I have, and I know they've been around for a long time, and, and Rocky 1 is the classic, but as a kid, the first one I watched was Rocky 3, and uh, that was one with Clubber Lang, which was Mr. T. Anybody remember Mr. T? You know, I pity the fool, um, and uh, I always marvel at, on the, the movie, uh, uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, that they had uh, Mr. T as the officer that loved his son so much. Anybody remember that? I love my angel son, Kale, uh, but uh, I, that's hilarious, but anyway, over and over in Rocky 3, they fight a couple of times. But over and over, uh, towards the end, they're, they're you know, in this fight, and, and you know, Rocky's just getting absolutely pummeled, and then he kind of turns the corner and has the energy to throw some punches and try to get the upper hand, and then he gets pummeled again, he's getting thrashed, and then he kind of tries to get the upper hand again, and then he's pummeled. And, and of course, as it goes on, uh, and this is not a spoiler because it's been around for over 30 years, but Rocky eventually wins, and um, that's kind of how it goes. Uh, and it's, it's a great story, and you leave the, the theater, or you leave watching the movie kind of feeling encouraged. Um, anybody a Seahawk fan? out there. You want to admit you're a Seahawks fan? Okay. It's pretty lame, pretty mellow. Um, so anyway, <clears throat> you're like, well, they're 13 in the power rankings. Okay, let's stop that. Um, but the Seahawks, um, in the 2015 NFC game against the Packers, championship game against the Packers, and if you watch the game, you're watching a game going, these guys are terrible. Like, what is going on? And Russell Wilson kept throwing interceptions, and at one point, I think in the second quarter, uh, Doug Baldwin fumbles the ball, and by halftime, I think it was 16 zip, and I'm sitting in my living room watching this going, this is over. This is a disaster. And the second half starts, and they're still not doing great, but then all of a sudden, some things start going their way. There's a trick play where anybody remember John Ryan throwing a touchdown pass. Yeah, we got the picture of that moment, which I love his facial expression. Thought you could appreciate that moment, but uh, that's what when a kicker throws the ball. But um, but as the game continued, we started coming back, and by the end, we ended up having the lead, and it was awesome. And you're like, this is incredible. But then we left them time to march down the field, get a field goal. The game was tied. It goes into overtime, and two plays into over, overtime, Russell Wilson throws a touchdown pass at Jermaine Curse, and I was jumping around in my living room. I was so excited, and I know you won't admit you were, but that was an awesome, awesome comeback. Well, we all love a comeback story, and there's a few more recent ones that I want to mention. One of them is, um, you guys are maybe aware of a, a gal named Bethany Hamilton. And Bethany Hamilton was a surfer that at 13 years old had her arm bit off by a shark. And, and, and yet she overcame that fear and went back to surfing. And it's an, it's an incredible story. She's now married. She has a couple of kids. And the movie Soul Surfer is her story. It's a great, great story. Another one that I appreciated was a gal named Dawn Loggins. She was a high school, a couple years ago, she was a high school senior and, um, and, and also a janitor at her high school. And um, she ended up homeless after she was abandoned by her parents who were drug addicts. Well, she had such a passion for what she was doing. She got straight A's. She ended up applying to Harvard and received a full ride scholarship, which I thought was so cool. And then another one that I thought was kind of amusing, um, and you'll get why in a second, but this one was one that ended up on the internet. It went viral. It was of a school bus driver that was getting brutally harassed by her students, and people got so angry that somebody set up a fund for her retirement. They raised over $700,000, and she was able to retire. But the story continues that she ended up setting up an anti-bullying campaign that went nationwide, which I thought was really, really cool. Anyway, there's something about comebacks 
that evoke passion in our core. There's something about the impossible becoming possible. There's something about dreams becoming reality that does something inside of us. And when we look at the story of Jesus and you look at the view from his disciples at the point that he's in the garden in prayer for the last time and he's betrayed and he's led away, the disciples are there and they're confused and they're, they're afraid and, and you know, they're seeing all that's going on. And, and you got to remember back Jesus had told, at one point, Jesus had told the disciples he was going to be arrested, he was going to be persecuted, he was going to die, and Peter stands up and goes, hey, on my watch, that's not going to happen. When Jesus is in the upper room before the Garden of Gethsemane, and he has the last meal with his disciples, he says specifically that they're going to disown him. And once again, Peter stands up and said, hey, if all these guys disown you, I won't. And Jesus says to Peter, in fact, Peter, before the rooster crows, you're going to disown me three times. And you can imagine that moment for Peter of of confusion and frustration. Well, later on, like I said, Jesus goes from the upper room with the disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's in prayer, and the disciples are gathered over here, and he kind of moves away from them, has Peter, James, and John come along a little further. Then he says to them, watch and pray that you don't fall into temptation because the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. And, And he tells them to pray, and he walks a little further ahead by himself. And in agony, he just begins to pray, Father, Let this cup pass from me. In other words, I don't want to have to go to the cross. This is agony, and yet I want your will more than I want my will. And he's praying this prayer. He goes back to the disciples who are asleep, and he said, you guys couldn't stay awake for an hour? You couldn't pray for an hour? And he says, watch and pray that you don't fall into temptation. He goes back and prays again, and, and, and one of the gospel accounts talks about he began to sweat drops of blood. He was in such agony as he prayed, and he goes back, to to the disciples and finds them sleeping again. Well, all of a sudden, here comes Judas with a group that is having Jesus arrested. And uh, the the, the gospel writer Luke says that um, one of them drew a sword and cut off a guy's ear. And John, the other, another gospel writer, isn't so polite. He says this, it was Peter. Peter did it. And uh, it's kind of amusing because John's like, I'm going to out him. And Luke's like, I'm going to be a little more polite. But anyway, what happens is Jesus is arrested and all the disciples scatter. They hide. They're, they're kind of freaking out. And, and Jesus ends up going to the cross and, and he's unjustly tried and he's sentenced to be crucified and the crowd is yelling, crucify him while they let an insurrectionist go named Barabbas and Jesus hangs on the cross. And the disciples are nowhere to be found, to be found and it ends up that Jesus dies on the cross. And for the disciples who don't understand what's going on, for them, their hopes are dashed. For them, the movement is over. For them, the miracles, the healings, the teaching, the the, the marveling and all that Jesus had accomplished, it all comes to an end. And Jesus is buried in the tomb on Friday and Saturday is dark with grief. And Jesus even said from the cross, it's finished. But he had something else in mind. In Matthew chapter 28, It says this, after the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and fell down like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid. For I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. 
He has risen just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them, greetings. He said, they came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Father, today we want to stop and just invite your work in every one of our lives. God, as we walk through this story, as we, as we navigate, Lord, these conversations, my prayer is always that it matters to all of us. There's people in this room that maybe were invited by an individual, people that maybe have never even been in a church setting, or others of us that have been part of this kind of movement for a while now, some of us maybe for decades, and others maybe for months or just years. God, we pray that your spirit would do a work opening our eyes to the picture of this story and why it matters to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So again, Jesus is crucified on Friday and, and is, is laid in the tomb on Friday and Saturday, once again, filled with grief and some confusion and, 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 and disappointment. And Sunday comes and it starts out in, in Matthew 28 at verse 1 and it says that, that these two Marys went to the tomb and they're picking up right where they had left off on Friday, but because the Passover came, they weren't allowed to go and do work. And that what they wanted to do was prepare Jesus' body for burial, but they didn't get to. So they value him so much and care so much that they immediately, as soon as they're able to, go right to the tomb to, end, to, to, to prepare his body, even though he's already in the tomb, hoping somehow that they could get in. And it says that there was this earthquake, an angel of the Lord ends up showing up, and I can't imagine that moment. In fact, it says the guards were so startled by what they experienced that they freaked out and basically passed out in fear of, of, of this angel that appears to them. And this angel turns and addresses the women, do not be afraid, for I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified, he is not here. He is risen. And I want to remind all of us that if you're a follower of Christ, if you've said before you're a follower of Christ, you've crossed that line and said yes to Jesus, the difference between who Jesus is and every other leader of some movement or some religion in the history of the world is that Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus ascends into heaven. Jesus is still alive today. And that's why a day like today matters to those that are followers of Christ. It's the greatest triumph in the history of the world. When Jesus said, it is finished, what was finished was the transaction that paid for sin. That the movement that began in a manger is not over. This right here is the comeback. And I want to remind you of it because it's a big deal. The angel says to these two women, he is not here. He is risen. He told you so. Na 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 na. I love that. He told you so. He tried to explain to you this is what was going to happen. And here they are, confused. Here they are, filled with grief. Here they are, uh, not understanding anything that's going on. And the angel says, He tried to tell you. He's risen from the dead. Go tell the others. Like I said a moment ago, Jesus dealt with our sin. What looked like defeat on the cross was actually Jesus defeating the darkness 
by paying the price with his blood for our sin. Jesus defeated sin. But Jesus also defeated the devil. Don't forget ever that that Jesus says in John 10.10, as he writes it, that that the enemy has come to steal and kill and destroy. This this word devil in the Greek is diabolos, or diablo is where that, that word comes from, diabolos. And it comes from a Greek root word, listen, that means diabeline. And the definition of that root word is to split. The definition, hear this, the definition of devil in scripture is that he's a splitter, he's a divider, he's a wedge driver. Throughout the Bible, he's referred to in all kinds of ways, the serpent, the tempter, the enemy, the evil one, the prince of demons, the father of lies, a murderer, a roaring lion, a deceiver, and a dragon. See, when Jesus said that the enemy has come to steal and kill and destroy, it's because by his nature, he's a splitter. He's trying to drive a wedge between you and a God who cares about you. Let me ask you simply a question that I want you to ponder for a second. Where in your life could you say that you could see an enemy at work trying to split you away from your heavenly father, trying to drive a wedge in your relationships, trying to keep you from God's grace that is offered to you so that you don't ask for forgiveness? Where is it in your life that you can see where the enemy has tried to drive a wedge between you and God? See, the same John who exposed Peter as the ear-cutting guy is also the guy who later on writes a letter to the church in 1 John 3. He says in verse 8, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. See, that's good news for every one of us, whether you see it or not. That, that John says that the Son of God came to destroy the devil's work, that, that, that the enemy could no longer split you from God. That the devil could no longer have his rule and reign in your life. That Jesus' passion and all that he experienced that week in going to the cross and, and dying and being buried and rising from the dead, he is not here. He is risen In doing so, he's destroying the enemy's ability to split our lives in pieces. And what he's done is come to make us whole. See, I said earlier, comebacks evoke passion in our core. There's something about the impossible becoming possible and dreams becoming reality. That's the kind of essence of a comeback. But don't ever forget that comebacks are also the things of hope. Comebacks are the things of hope. What I mean is this. Any movie that you watch that something is going haywire and everything looks like a mess and as the movie starts to wrap up, there's some sort of redemption. There's some sort of hope. There's some sort of comeback and you leave a movie theater and you go, man, that was awesome. Man, that was powerful. Any book that you read, any Reader's Digest story that you happen to take in, when you read those those stories and there's a comeback, I happen to believe that we're supposed to have something evoked inside of us, that dreams can become reality, that impossible things become possible, that hope is alive because it goes back to the story. 
the story of the original comeback that allows you and I to experience a comeback. Jesus got back up so that you and I are no longer stuck in sin. Jesus got back up, and that's meant to provide hope for you to get back up from hopelessness, for you to get back up from addiction, for you to get back up from apathy, for you to get back up from purposelessness, from failure, from sideways relationships, from unforgiveness. Come on, somebody. Are you with me on this? That the whole idea of Jesus' comeback was so that you wouldn't just go, that's a great story, but so that you would translate his story into your life. That's why I can stand up here on a day like today and go, hey, today is something to celebrate. Not just because 2,000 years ago the price was paid. That's amazing. That's the primary focus. That's a great thing. But if we miss translating that into the life we live today, then we miss it. See, he is the Savior from sin. You could never be good enough to earn your way out of sin. You could never figure out how to measure up so much. That, that, that forgiveness from sins is granted to you. Many of us in this room would say that we're followers of Christ. As a follower of Christ, do you believe that Jesus paid it all? Do you believe that Jesus paid it all? See, because here's what happens. At some point, many of us in this room would say we, we cross the line of faith. Maybe we pray to prayer said, Jesus, come into my life. I believe in your work that you paid for me and forgive me. Come into my heart. And that's awesome. But, but for some of us, here's what happens. Time goes on. You prayed that prayer months ago. You prayed that prayer years ago. You prayed that prayer at a Billy Graham crusade decades ago at the kingdom. You prayed that prayer somewhere in your past. And, and you've since gone, I, I'm trying to live for Jesus. I'm trying to take the right steps. But you know what? I find myself sinning. And then you play these cards. You know what? I'm not good enough for this. You play the card of, I can't measure up. You play the card of, well, if I were really a follower of Christ, this wouldn't be an issue for me. You play the card of, well, if God were really out there, I wouldn't live like this. Because he would do something different with my life. We play all these different cards of how well, we, we don't measure up and it doesn't make sense or God doesn't care or doesn't exist or doesn't matter. Or I'm not one of the elect. I'm not really a Christian. We forget that the definition, listen, of Jesus paid it all is that Jesus didn't just pay for my sins from the day I was born to today. Jesus paid it all, meaning he paid for every bit of my sin from the day I was born to the day I leave this earth. See, Jesus paid it all, and there wasn't a moment where you prayed that prayer that you somehow deserved to be forgiven. And we mix those things up. Well, I prayed a prayer and I believed I was forgiven, but man, I'm sure I've gone my own way. I've, I've, I've you know, kind of walk in this condemnation thing. I beat myself up. Do we realize that grace is a daily thing? Do we realize that we need grace really, really, really badly some days? And other days, really, 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 really badly? <laughs> we need grace every day. The idea that Jesus paid it all means that we can walk in Christ, even though at times we trip up and mess up. That's why grace is offered. That's why his mercy is new every morning. That's why we can get back up, not because you earned it, not because you deserved it, because that's never been true. 
And I love that, that, that Jesus' comeback is also our ability to come back. And maybe you're in here today and you've got some addiction that you say, I'm a follower of Christ, but this addiction, man, I, I can't, I got nothing. I'm weak. Maybe you're in here today and your marriage is struggling and you go, man, it's been rough and more of my thoughts are about parting ways and figuring this out. Maybe you're in here today and you feel that just apathy. Hey, I would say, yeah, I'm a follower of Christ, but man, I've just been cold. I've just been going through the motions. I just feel weary. Maybe you're here today and you see all that goes on in our communities and in our world and it feels so dark that you just, that just infiltrates your soul. And for some of you, it goes as far as you feel like you don't even have the will to live. And maybe for some, it's even as extreme as you go, you know what, I've, I've thought about ending it. I would remind all of us, Jesus' comeback is meant to be ours. I'm all about being practical, you guys. I'm all about that, that hey, if your marriage is struggling, that, that there's great counselors that can talk you through some of the things and try to get to the root of what's going on and there's some work involved. Be practical, do that. I'm all about the practical of some health issue and you go, man, I gotta go visit the doctor. Yeah, go. God gave people brains and they figured a lot of things out and they can do some pretty amazing stuff with our bodies. It's awesome. I'm all about practical on all, all kinds of levels. But listen to me today. At what point did we stop involving God in the every area of our lives? When Jesus specifically said, come to me when you're weary and heavy burdened. When Jesus specifically said, cast your anxiety on me because I care for you. When Jesus reminded us he'll never leave us, he'll never forsake us. When the scriptures tell us that God sent the Holy Spirit to empower us to live a resurrection life. And so, yes, be practical. Yes, take certain steps. Those are great things. But don't ever forget that God, that, that we read of the God that we read about in the Bible is a miracle working God. And there's something about the ability to go, God, your comeback from the grave, your ability to get back up invites me to get back up and fight for my marriage and fight for my sobriety and fight for my hope and fight for my life because I'm worth something. Yes, I'm passionate about it. Yes, I love this. Because I stand up here all the time and I pray in my office and I navigate the city and the county and the different areas I go and I see things that can look hopeless through the lens of the natural, but instead I go, God, you got something different and I'm gonna believe in that. I see the same things you see. I have some of those thoughts at times as well. I wake up at times and navigate a day that feels hopeless. There's times where I go, man, I'm just in a funk. You could say it with depression or whatever the words are, but, but I navigate the same world you navigate, but I never want to forget that his comeback is mine too. That I don't know what you struggle with. And this is not just for, for individuals. Sure, it's for you that you go, I, I've never invited Jesus into my life or I've never prayed a prayer and said, forgive me, Lord. Or, or maybe you've prayed that prayer and just done kind of whatever the last bunch of years and you don't know where you stand in the conversation. This is definitely for you. But, but this is for all of us. I would say, I'm a follower of Christ. But man, I, I lost sight of hope. I lost sight of a comeback that we've got to translate from the cross of Christ to the tomb 
to the resurrection, that it's got to translate to my life today. God, forgive me in my sin because I can't earn my way out of it. God, come into my life and do something new in me. As well as that invitation, Lord, it's the addiction. Lord, it's the depression. Lord, it's the attitude. Lord, it's the, the relationship that's sideways. Lord, it's my kids that just are at odds and I can't figure this out. What is it for you? Because the splitter's at work. We can't be unaware of that. We'd be foolish to think that there's an enemy that's sitting back letting us just, hey, enjoy life. But that's where defeat is not defeat because it's God's equation. I mentioned a little bit ago this word redemption. And I want to remind you what it means. Regaining possession of something in exchange for payment. God is into redeeming things. God is into redeeming our lives and we see that through his blood shed and the death that he experienced for us. That we don't earn our way out of sin, we invite him to forgive us. But redemption is offered that we can have life. Eternal life, yes. Eternity in heaven, absolutely. But a daily relationship with our heavenly father who cares desperately about every one of us. The question becomes this, God is willing, but are you? Your heavenly father is willing, but are you? To believe that surrendering is what he's calling you to do. To believe that trusting is what he's asking of you. To be forgiven of your sin. To be set free from patterns that drag us down. If you're in here today and, and, and maybe you're invited by somebody and you're like, I've never been to church before. Or, or, or maybe you've been in a setting like this before or whatever, but maybe you, you've never invited Jesus to forgive you of your sin. You never said, God, I believe that Jesus paid the price for my sin on the cross. That he died my death. That he resurrected so I could have life. God, forgive me. And come into my life. I want you to be my savior. Maybe you've never prayed a prayer like that. Or, or, or maybe you've prayed a prayer like that, but, but you go, that was, that was X time ago. And since then, I've done this, or I've been part of that, or I've kind of whatever, and, and I don't know where I stand. But I want to encourage you that, that the offer of God is, is a fresh start through his comeback. That, that the offer of Christ is that you can have a new beginning today that your slate can be wiped clean through the work of Christ, not your behavior and what you've done to earn it. And so whether you're in here today and, and, and maybe you've never prayed a prayer to invite Jesus to be the Lord, Savior of your life, maybe, maybe you've prayed a prayer and you just kind of done your thing for a long time now and you kind of just showed up or whatever, you're invited, you got a family member here or whatever, that's great, but you need to take a step today. In a moment, on the count of three, if you want that fresh start, if you want that new beginning, I'm just gonna ask you to raise your hand and you're gonna pray a prayer with me. Just repeat a prayer after me. Just invite Jesus to be the Lord of your life. But if you've never done it, I've said many times before, I think it's the most important decision anybody can make. If you've never done it, you need to. And if you've done it, but you go, I don't know where I stand. I mean, the church thing or the religion thing or whatever, it's the grace thing through Jesus. And if you're in here today and you want a fresh start, 
If you're in here today and you want a new beginning, you're in here today and maybe you've never prayed the prayer or whatever, or maybe you've prayed it and just kind of done your thing, but you want a new beginning today. If that's you in here, on the count of three, just raise your hands. One, two, three. Where are you at? Keep those hands up just for a second, okay? I'm gonna do my best here. Okay, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. Come on, somebody. 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31. You can put your hands down. I think I got it. I tried. 31. Anybody else? There's people that just raise their hand. Anybody else you go, you know what? I, yeah, I should have. I need to raise my hand. Anybody else? I'm just going to ask. You go, I want a fresh start. I want a new beginning. I want to invite Jesus into my life. Anyone else? Okay. If you raise your hand, would you just pray with me? And again, this isn't like this, some magical deal or me saying the right words and you better say the right words. It's just believing on what Christ has done and inviting him into your life. So if you raise your hand, if you're one of those 31 that raise your hand, and if you've prayed this prayer before, just pray with us, okay? So let's just do this. Let's just close your eyes and say, say, Jesus, thank you for what you did for me. That I can be forgiven of all of my sin because of the cross and the tomb and the resurrection. Thank you for doing that for me. Let me start new today with you. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Thank you for a fresh start today. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Yeah, give a hand to some of those 31 that raised their hand. That's awesome. Now, the last thing I want to do is bring that challenge again to, to all of us. That if you say, man, I'm a follower of Christ, but, but you hear what I'm saying. I'm all about practical and that's great. But, but maybe you need to start getting on your knees and praying about your marriage. Maybe you need to get on your knees and invite God to bring deliverance from an addiction. Maybe you need to get on your knees and, and, and invite God into you, Lord, th this situation in my life or my financial whatever mess or career whatever, that, that God, would you redeem? Would you resurrect? Would you bring that hope back into my life? I need you to do that. And so I'm just going to pray this. And if you hear what I'm saying, just right where you're at, you can just pray right along. God, we thank you so much for all that you've done that your resurrection is ours. First and foremost, because it deals with the issue of sin in our lives. But also, God, because the life that, that you paid, the cross that, that was erected, God, and you were on there with your blood running down at Lord, the, the tomb, and then the resurrection on Sunday was so that we could have life. So I pray, God, for every marriage. I pray, God, for every addiction. I pray, God, for every hopeless situation. I pray, God, for every physical issue and ailment, God. I pray, God, for every apathetic individual that just feels cold, God. I pray life today. I pray hope today. I pray strength today. I pray fresh joy today that doesn't simply fade away because Easter is a couple of days ago and a week ago and a month ago, that, God, each day we live in your grace. Father, fill every one of us with strength. Fill every one of us with hope. Do the work in each individual, God, with what they need, God, to rise above the circumstances that constantly try to tear them down, God. I pray for your strength and thank you for your resurrection. That means resurrection for us in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Podcast. If you want to keep up to date with us, like us on Facebook or sign up for our e-newsletter at grove.church.